Hi, and welcome to the GMC podcast, the place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and find other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. In this podcast, we bring you the sermon series, Trinity, Understanding the Person of God. Each week, we will take a look at a different aspect of the nature of God, God who is the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and Holy Spirit, as we hope to cast some light and wisdom upon the complexity of the three persons of the one true Godhead, the mystery of the Trinity. But before the message, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Living God, loving Father, we praise you this morning for your wonderful, eternal, all-embracing love. We praise you for Jesus, who came to your chosen race to bring your loving purpose to its climax by confronting evil, accepting death, and mastering both in his glorious resurrection. Loving God, we praise you for your love in Jesus that's alive today in every nation filling human lives with hope, with joy, and with praise. Praise which will ever increase to give you glory everywhere. Eternal Father, we come to you humbly, knowing that we will not be turned away because you receive us in your fatherly love. And Father, thank you for the assurance that we have that wherever we go, you go with us. In all of life's trials and triumphs, you're there for us. And when we die, even death itself shall not separate us from your love, because we shall be raised and glorified and accepted as your children and received into the fullness of your love. Oh, Heavenly Father, please, please keep your church eloquent and active in the life of the world, letting the light of Jesus shine through us until you've accomplished all that you have begun in Jesus. And do forgive us, we pray, our bigotry, our prejudices, our narrow-mindedness, our too easy rejection of other people. Forgive us for rejecting compassion and humility by snobbery or contempt or whatever. Father, help us so to trust ourselves to your love, to be so confident in your truth that we'll reach out to all our neighbors, to share the light that we ourselves possess. Help us to receive from you today new insights into your will for us, new visions of your purpose as it affects all of humanity. And so may you be glorified again in us as you've been glorified already in Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.
following that time of prayer, I hope your heart has been stilled and prepared for God's word to reach you where you are today. If anything you hear from our preacher today, from the word of God and the sermon challenges you, may be raising questions, then contact us. If you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or indeed, maybe help you in your questioning of faith, we'd love to help you get to know the Lord or go deeper with him. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom. If so, then please get in touch through the contact us on our website page, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Now, over to our preacher. Well, the news, what have we got? Well, we know what's going to be top of the headlines, but how long is it going to be top of the headlines? Ukraine. Well, it's not top of the headlines. French vote as Macron aims to beat the far-right Le Pen. And then live, top US officials expected in Kiev. How a war surgeon helps Ukrainian doctors save lives. Removing the PM would lead to instability, says Dowden. That's Oliver Dowden, isn't it? Yeah. Defending the Prime Minister's party gate. Party gate. You're thinking, where's, where's, where's the minister going? Why, why is this reading? Ten confirmed dead from a missing Japan tourist boat. Don't know whether you saw that one. The Ukrainian families struggle to get to Scotland. A Scottish woman says she feels a sense of guilt that she has not been able to help the Ukrainian family get to the UK sooner. From a city where seven of her family are dead. Video appears to show children in a Mariel Pole bunker. We all know what's going on there. Dozens die in an oil bla- a blast at an illegal refinery in Nigeria. Why? The news. The news. Do you know? If you spend too much time on it, reading newspapers, does anybody read a newspaper any day or do you get it all online? Few of you get newspapers. To be honest, I had to go and get my phone because I've just remembered. It says lead with Sunday newspaper headlines. I forgot to buy the newspapers on the way to church this morning. Thankfully, there's the phone and I can find them. But if you spend a lot of time in the news, it leads you to dark places. The darkness of the world. Because the world is full of problems, full of darkness. Poverty, poverty of finance, housing, food, education, medicine, the poverty of opportunity. Poverty is such a problem. There, of course, is injustice, there's abuse, sexual, physical, slavery, trafficking, all that stuff. So when we read the world news, the local news, the national news, so much of what fills our papers, the internet, the news channels is dark. It seems to be that our human systems of government, the management of people, resources, societies, often fail. 
And I wonder if they fail because the people who are ruling are full of pride, maybe self-gain at the centre. And so, if this is what is in human hearts, this is what the news often reports. I sometimes wish we had a news channel that only gave good news. Because there is good news, so why the fixation with the dark? Well, let's hear from a word of hope found in the Word of God. This morning's reading is from John chapter 8, verses 12 to 20. I'm reading from uh, the New Living Translation. If you're following on your phone or in a Bible, you might have a different version. So John 8, verses 12 to 20. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness. And my father who sent me is the other. Where is your father, they asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury, but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Thanks be for the reading of God's holy word to his name be praise and glory. Amen. I am the light of the world, Jesus claims. That's a big claim, isn't it? Big, big claim. But then he knows, he just knows. He knows with that deep wisdom he holds within himself as the Son of God. He knows who he is. He knows where he has come from. He knows where he is to go to. It's made plain in the beginning of the opening of this gospel, of John's gospel. When John uh, says those words, in the beginning was the word, he goes on. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light that shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. That's in the first chapter, verses 4 and 5, the very opening of John's Gospel, talking about Jesus, Jesus' light shining in the darkness, and the darkness never being able to extinguish it. And here we are in chapter 8, and we find Jesus in conversation with the Pharisees, that influential sect, religious sect within Judaism, made up mostly of middle-class businessmen and leaders of the synagogue. And the Pharisees held great sway over the, the population. The pop, there was popular support among the people for them. And we know that they were often in conflict with Jesus. There was always seemed to be a conflict of words between Jesus and the Pharisees. 
And so this morning's passage that we've heard follows on from a previous discussion um, at the end of chapter 7, where they're arguing with Jesus about his claim to be Messiah. And Jesus turns around to them and saying, you'll, you'll search, but you'll not find him. Because where he's going, they can, they, the Pharisees, cannot come. And they're really confused. They always seem to be confused about Jesus. They're, they're stuck to their, uh, the law and the temple sacrifice and all that, that, that goes around uh, for them. And they're confused because they just don't recognize Jesus for who he is as the Messiah. And now we find this analogy of light on the lips of Jesus. Last week, Easter Sunday, I talked about the importance of the lamb, the lamb imagery in Jewish faith. And now today I want to take a moment to shine the light on light. Light in Scripture. From this passage, yes, but I want to delve into a few other places too. Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 1 and, uh, verses one and 2 say, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory." The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Isaiah, that towering prophet of the Old Testament, Isaiah's words through uh, his writings are full of imagery, full of words that speak of the coming Messiah. And he mentions these two areas, Zebulun and Naphtali, in this passage. And those two, plus Issachar, are what made up the region later known as Galilee. Galilee. Galilee, the region into which Jesus came <coughs> in glory to preach and bring a light to the darkness of Israel. You read there, there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles will be filled with glory. That's Jesus. Isaiah's writes of a future hope that the darkness in the land, not a physical darkness when the sun's down, but a darkness in people's hearts in the way they're living, this won't always be so. A light will come and things will change. Into the New Testament, into Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem, Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Do you think he'd been reading um, Isaiah? Had he been studying his scriptures? He was a righteous and devout man. I think he knew his scriptures. He was waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Important, the Holy Spirit was in this man and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. 
So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. Holy Spirit is moving here, moving people into the right places. The Lord had promised that Simeon would not die before seeing the Messiah. That day, he brought him to the temple. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. There we have those words again, glory and light, salvation. Jesus is born, and we find Joseph and Mary taking him to the temple as they're required to do to be consecrated by God. And they meet this guy, Simeon. Righteous, devout, an old man. But as I say, a man blessed by the Holy Spirit. Telling the couple who their child would become. I think Mary is, uh, and Joseph are, kind of probably know there's something special about Jesus. But literally, Simon sees God's salvation plan that he knows of in the words of Scripture in this child this person of Jesus. He sees God's plan in an individual. Not just for the nation of Israel, though. It's the same sentiment of Isaiah. This boy who grows to be the rabbi Jesus is the light of the whole world, not just for the nation of Israel. A light that reveals to the nations the glory of God. Let's hear from John. I mentioned John chapter 1. Well, in John chapter 3, 18 to 21, John writes this. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. All who do hate, all who do evil, hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light, so others can see that they are doing what God wants. These are Jesus' words. This passage comes from Jesus meeting Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, this Pharisee who comes under cover of darkness to see Jesus, to question him, to ask who he is. Nicodemus is really searching, but he doesn't want to be seen. He's heard about this enigmatic and challenging rabbi. And it's in the closing of this encounter that Jesus speaks to Nicodemus about light, specifically in relation to judgment. Isaiah has said that light will shine in the darkness and people who walk in darkness will see the great light. And Jesus claims that moniker for himself, I am the light. But he also acknowledges to Nicodemus the pull of darkness, the lure of evil in life, the the lure that sin is rife in the world. But what's more prescient for me, in these words of Jesus, is that Jesus recognizes that sin causes people to shy away from the light. 
because the light reveals sin. People don't like it. I don't like it. People don't like being caught out. They don't like their less savoury facets of their life to be revealed to colleagues or family or friends or spouse or neighbour, anyone. We don't, there's that phrase, you don't wash your dirty laundry in public. We don't want it out there. We don't want it exposed to the world. But that's exactly what the light does. The light shines into the darkness and reveals what's there. The reality is that evil is always revealed by goodness. That's what I mean by light, by goodness. And as for the goodness, well, that naturally shines in the light of God through Christ. Let's jump into Acts. So, Christ has now died, resurrected, returned to the Father, and we've got the early church. Acts 13, verse 8 to 11. But Elymas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, and enemy of all that is good, Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. He's going into the darkness, literally, this guy, this Elymas, this sorcerer. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. What it goes on to say is the governor came to faith in this. So as, I'm, as I've taken a really quick trip from the Old Testament into the Gospels and now the early church in the book of Acts in this theme of light, we find Paul, who was Saul of course, the man who was persecuting Christians, the man to whom Jesus appeared on the road to Damascus as he was off to try and incarcerate these people following the way of Christ. But Paul is now imbued with the Holy Spirit and is sent out prior to this. This is on his first missionary journey. Hands are laid upon him and him and Barnabas are sent out on their first missionary journey, the ministry to the Gentiles the beginning of the good news of Jesus being spread to a wider world. And here he is in Paphos on the island of Cyprus. And he's sent for by the proconsul. But he's faced off by this sorcerer, Elymas. Now Saul wouldn't have recognised this, but Paul, imbued, touched by the Holy Spirit, recognises the evil in this sorcerer recognises this guy's opposition to God and the Lord Jesus himself. And Paul, in the power of the Holy Spirit, says that this man will go blind for a time, unable to see the light. Pretty harsh, you might think. I'm going to blind someone? Really? Is that a Christian thing to do? 
as this mist and darkness comes over Elymas's eyes and he's groping around? But is it really harsh? Let's face it, he's been in the dark all along. This isn't about sight. Sight comes and goes. It's a struggle when you, when you start to lose vision. Mm-hmm, yeah. As I look out, sorry older folks, many of you older folks like me have glasses. Comes to a time, I take them off, I can't read my script. I have to put them on, and I do. But this isn't about sight. This is about the darkness, not being able to see the light, the spiritual light in someone's life. If the truth be known, those who are apart from Jesus are doing just what Elymas is doing. They are groping around in the spiritual darkness, unable to see that the true light Shines in dark places, yes, but it also illuminates the goodness of those who follow Christ. When you go out into the world with Christ in your heart, you are being a light. People, I've heard it said, people notice something different about you. When you especially when someone first comes to Christ, people notice a difference. When Emma and I were in uh, Dunbar, uh, we ran Alpha courses and there was a guy. Um, I wasn't heavily involved in it. I think Emma was. There was a guy. Colin, I think, was his name. Who'd had a troubled life. He'd been inside, drugs, drink, that whole scene. And he found Christ. And he changed. There was something different about him. And his old crowd, his friends... Noticed there was something different about Colin. Something they didn't like. A light that was shining into the darkness of their lives. So much so, they beat him up and put him in hospital. That's how much the light of Christ in this man's life affected those who were still in darkness. The light shines in the dark places and it shines in people's evil intent but it shines the goodness on those who would follow Christ. But is it that simple? Is it as simple as follow Jesus means that you'll walk in the light and everything will be hunky-dory and if you don't follow Jesus then uh, uh, and you're evil and bad and you'll find yourself in darkness and everything won't go well for you. Surely it's not that simple. And you're right, it's not. For there are many good people doing great, good, honourable things who are followers of other religions or no religion at all. And surely those people are not evil and dark. Surely there is light in their lives because they're evidencing it. And after all, what about those who profess to be Christian yet support what is plainly evil and barbaric? Think about Ukraine, right at the moment. The atrocities being carried out now. What about the Russian Orthodox Church? What about the church based in Moscow that is throwing its ideological weight behind Putin and his war? Is there light there? No, I don't think so. 
It's complicated. It is not simple. Not as cut and dried, black and white, night and day, dark and light, as we might like to think. And the reason is the human condition is not simple. It's full of contrast. It's not just black and white. It's grey. Our sinful darkness and our divine light as beings made in the image of God wrestle each and every day. So when Jesus says to everyone, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have a light of life, what is he saying? And what validity does he have to say it? Because that's what he's been questioned on by the Pharisees. Why you, what, what's the validity? I'll deal with that point first. The Pharisee says his claim's not valid because he's claiming it just for himself. There's nobody to back him up. In law, you'd have to have two people attest to something for it to be true. You need a testimony of someone other than yourself. Jesus says you're wrong. I'm not here to be judged by your human standards because I am human, but I am more than human. I am able to testify about myself because I know where I come from, I know where I am, and I know where I'm going. But then he also says, but don't worry about it. I have another witness, my father. I can prove the validity of my call to say I am the light. I am with the Father, I am of the Father, and the God the Father will attest to this. But what about the statement itself, that first point? Well, Jesus is speaking. We're here in the last verse of what we read this morning, that Jesus is speaking in the temple area. It's an area reserved for the offerings, an area where candles burned. These candles burned to symbolize the pillars of fire that led the people of Israel in the Exodus. So let's hear from Exodus 13, 21, 22. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. It's important where Jesus is saying this to the Pharisees. He's claiming to be the light in a place that has candles burning that symbolized God guiding the Israelites in the wilderness. Jesus is calling himself the light, the pillar of fire representing God's presence, God's protection, and God's guidance. That is what Jesus is to us in this life now. He's present, he protects, and he guides, just as he did in the darkness of Roman-occupied Israel. He does that today for us. The Israelites depended on God to guide them in the wilderness. So too should God's children today depend upon the light of Christ as his guidance. So when Jesus says to you, follow me, he is promising, a solemn promise, that his light will guide you from darkness and from darkness beyond into the light. So as I said at the beginning and uh, read from those stories off my phone, off, off the news, 
The world can be a very dark place. Dark beyond our imaginations at times. But there is light too. Though at times folk may not feel its warmth or see its glow. Perhaps, perhaps you today are in a place of despair and darkness. You feel the darkness envelop. Know this. Darkness is the absence of light. I went potholing many, many, many years ago. You can find rooms that if there's zero light and everything's cut out, it's absolute darkness. All you need to do is strike a match, introduce light, eat the tiniest flicker of light into darkness, and you will see it. And then it's no longer dark, and that light can be a guide. Folks, know this, Jesus is that light in our dark world. In the deepest, darkest places of the human soul, where folks are mired in tragedy, in addiction, in crime, in abuse, in whatever situation, the love of Jesus, which is beyond all understanding, his grace, his life, is the light that is the flame in the darkness. It's a flame that can be never extinguished. It's only a light that can be either walked toward or walked away from. Which will you choose to do today? Father God, thank you that your Son is the light of the world. Come to guide us in the darkness. Father, will we today choose the light of Christ? Will you illuminate anything wrong in our souls? And Father, just turn us towards the light always. Through the grace and mercy of your Son who died for us on the cross, who rose to beat death and is now seated at you in the right hand of heaven. Father, thank you that you are with us in this life today and for our eternal lives tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our Sunday podcast today from GMC in Dunfermline, Scotland. For more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook and YouTube. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page of our website or by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a few quid, then offerings can be made through the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production from GMC, including the pastors and tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Mike Weaver, and the contributing music is Up to the Mood from Low Tree. Thanks for listening, and God bless.